0: No, listen. In a decade, when I can take my sheep to AMC and buy some raw gold and silver from their mining facilities, <laughs> I'm gonna be super excited about it.
1: Can I? Can I get a large popcorn, some like M&Ms, <laughs> and a little, just a sprinkle, sprinkle a little gold on it? Go! This podcast contains the arguably witty banter of two friends, Skippy and Doogles, that like to debate about investing. The content is intended to be entertaining and for informational purposes only, not investment advice. You should do your own research and consult a financial professional before using any of the information in this podcast, and especially before investing. Good, sir. How's it welcome living? Welcome back. Uh, what a welcome it is. Good to be back.
0: You know, I was hoping we get to do our, our second show uh, with a member in Vegas just to see what type of shape you were in. But, but you, I said, let's hold out.
1: Right? I said, I said, let's hold out. Let's hold out. And it was actually yesterday would have been quite possible, but, uh, but it's good. It's good to be home in the natural habitat back and doing that thing. But Vegas was fun. It was a fun time. However, we've talked a lot about debt in this country. We talked about government debt, margin debt, credit card debt, household debt, people in too much debt. Yeah. I look around that casino, and I tell you right now that the people that are throwing those monies around—that—that <laughs> that is not coming from their income. I could, I could just, I could, I could tell. I said, "Sir, you put that credit card away, ma'am. Stop it."
0: <laughs> I'm sure yeah. you were popular telling people what to do with their money.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, I don't think you got it.
0: I don't, I don't, Listen, I don't go buy some terrible momentum stocks with that, and. And lose it that way
1: that's the I way mean, to go at, at least you could then maybe sell them like once you put that money yeah on true practice, you only oh. lose half your money instead of all your money that exactly. way exactly oh yeah but it's good i i thoroughly enjoy that place and march madness is just just quite a blissful event i love it so much fun good to be back yeah shout out to saint peter's <laughs> so here, here's what i'll say shout out to jersey I will shout out to Jersey. Yeah, okay. There we go. Do do that thing, St. Peter's, Jersey. And now I can root for them. So third team ever, 15 seed to make it to the Sweet 16. Congrats. And you done ruined everything for me. You have ruined everything for me, St. Peter's, and I do not appreciate it, but congratulations.
0: Diggles, you know the thing that people hate more than losing 90% in a stock pick? St. Peter's. Hearing about your fantasy football team or your bracket, We We got to switch gears here. Although I do want to say uh, condolences to Coach K on his loss that I assume is coming what, today. You mean in?
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Moving on. <laughs> moving on. If you were a movie theater chain and you said, we need to allocate our resources. We need to allocate our funds. Uh, so far, we got movies kind of coming back. We got a couple blockbusters. So it's time to invest. What's the first thing you'd do? I mean, Bitcoin. Okay, what's the second thing you do?
0: All I know is in my pre-show meeting, I pulled up all my Wall Street Journal and Financial Time links and, you know, some investor letters, and then I have one article from The Hollywood Reporter on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I'd buy some
1: commodities, Douglas. This is bizarre. Yeah, so AMC has invested twenty seven point nine million dollars In a company called Highcroft, which is a silver and gold mining company, so they bought 22% of the company for 27.9 million dollars. AMC, like movie theaters. Okay, why'd they do it? I I've read the article. I'm still not crystal clear on this. Can you answer that? Well, I can't do it from like a logical, like business perspective. But what I loved is some of their explanations. There were two things that they two two areas of expertise that they stated they now have which could be helpful for this this company yeah the first is that they have been in a state where they have strong assets <laughs> however they're in desperate need for cash yeah so they know how to navigate that and so therefore taking a 22 percent stake Okay, so that's one. That's one. The way to
0: navigate that is like getting hot on Wall Street bets. I mean,
1: that Uh, was the management
0: that got up through that.
1: No, their their second one is even better from that regard. So the second thing they said is, so this is the end, I quote. What's more, as a result of AMC's success in having raised capital in 2020 and 2021, we will be a valuable advisor to Highcroft in its efforts to secure additional equity investments to further increase its cash reserves. So, to exactly what you're stating, they are now claiming to be fantastic equity. <laughs> they have, they bought Buffett in house. It also says, I, I kept reading
0: this article and I wasn't sure if it was the onion or not, because again, it's the Hollywood Reporter. Um, the strength of Spider Man, No Way Home, and Batman, as well as 2022's promising industry box office, heightened their conviction that they were on the glide path to recovery, Dougals. So, let's go buy a mining company in Nevada
1: it's outrageous. It takes me way back. It takes me back to these conversations we've been having around how you need to know why you're successful in investing, yeah. like understanding what led to your success. And I feel like a year-ish ago, AMC was pretty clear about this. When they released, when they they were raising capital, and they said, you should not invest in our stock. Our stock is likely to go to zero, but we're putting it out there because it seems like people want to buy it, right? They seem yeah. very clear. And now they're like, Uh, You need to understand how to navigate Wall Street. You want to know how to navigate Wall Street? You know what I mean? Come on. So
0: I got to give a shout out to uh, Drew Dickinson at at Albert Bridge Capital here. He wrote this awesome article when AMC was releasing shares last year saying, breaking down how this is going to work and saying that their business model clearly seems like the best is behind it. So if you're giving them a bunch of your money, you're effectively giving their management license to go find the next business as their business dies but they have a bunch of capital their management's gonna deploy that capital somewhere right and that's exactly what happened here now man if i'm an amc shareholder which i never was and don't think i want to be this just gets confusing i mean like i don't even know <laughs> what do I own <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and do I want if I was interested in movie theaters do I want to own commodities well it's a high inflationary environment maybe commodities aren't the worst investment in the world but it's like not the same
1: company it's 2022 man this is bizarre <laughs> it's so yeah I don't know how at the what's what's the board meeting like around this one highly like so curious what the board meeting was like I don't know oh, i think they're super
0: excited because they have a business that maybe isn't dying as quickly as movie theaters and there's i'm sure we talk about incentives right i'm sure there's some reason that this
1: deal is going to increase their pay yeah i i i can see that one it's just sad come on come on but what else they got you know i, I mean guess the flip the same side time. is
0: what yeah what what were they supposed to do with it just sit on the cash
1: yeah i guess i was but if i'd look for something that's like in the realm of what they do. And I guess if they view themselves not as successful operators of, of like entertainment spaces, but as successful managers of the equity market, like maybe that's just, that's how they view themselves now, like legitimately. The, no, it still doesn't make sense. I, I, I would say still, I still I'm surprised
0: it wasn't more like content creation or something
1: tangentially related. Or like that's a, a Dave and Buster's, kind of a you know, like something that's yeah, like yeah, yeah, there's a space that people come to How do you manage like the concessions versus the reason they came like there's like there's other i'm not saying that that's not a dying business but (laughs) just throwing it out there anyway i i mean the
0: more i think about it dollar stores is probably the right fit for them oh
1: okay i like where this is going
0: i like where this is going. yeah all right what's in your fishbowl oh man should we talk chinese stocks i think we kind of have to what a week what a week absolute craziness so i'm gonna try and tie four things together and we'll see how it works i've been reading uh the nomad capital letters uh from nick's nick sleep and uh zakaria they're um all from 2001 through 2014 and they're just like there's tons of wisdom in there kind of like if you read the buffett letters so page 10 of this Douglas, it just really jumped off the page at me this week they're talking about they had just started their fund. They had 21 investments and they said 18 of those 21 have gained significantly in value. And then here's the sentence for those shares that have fallen. We bought more simple sentence, whatever, 10 words. Yep. That just jumped off the page at me this week because I was going back and forth in the interwebs, arguing with people about Alibaba when it went to $75 a share. So I I'll read you exactly what I wrote. And listen, guys, I make lots of mistakes. I'm not trying to claim that I know the future, but I was saying profitable g- growth companies with more than a billion users selling at seven times cash flow does not happen based on good news. This is right when all Chinese stocks are falling off a cliff. And simply that if you like the stock at $130 a share, which I did you better like the stock at $75 a share. So I bought on Wednesday at like $77 a share. I think this to me is like real life Buffett quote on, we like hamburgers in our house and when hamburgers go on sale, we buy more. So I wanted to talk about that psychology because there were people I respect on Twitter going, I misjudged Alibaba. I sold everything. It's a learning experience for me. And I
1: don't know that I understand that take, but am I just like a robot over here? Oh, are they saying it was a learning experience? They shouldn't have bought it in the first place. It was learning yep. experience. Yep. Okay. They misjudged the political risk. Yeah. The, well, maybe they did. I mean, I don't know. I can't go into their psychology of how much they put on the political risk, but the political risk I'd say is obvious, but that's different than misjudging Baba. In my view, like I'd separate those two things out. I mean, we kind of talked about that, like the, the company, the risk is political risk. The company itself as a growth company at the prices, it still is even selling at, but especially when it was around that $75 mark is like a fairly obvious purchase. Like it has, it's so different than some of the stocks that people jump into when you are, when it's like a recent IPO, newer company, right? And you're purely betting on the future like the expectations like unseen expectations baba has a history like you know what the company is revenue at baba has grown by 24
0: times in the past decade yes the stock price was down (laughs) during that time when it was trading in the 70s and for those who don't know it had a huge rally thursday friday this week it's now near 110 and i'm not claiming that that's an appropriate price and i'll bet you money that it goes back to the 70s i mean this is going to be a very turbulent time with chinese political news with russia ukraine with chinese u.s relations being strained which i don't know why as an aside our government seems to go around threatening everyone else Uh, i read that biden and team were threatening china about potential involvement in ukraine and it seems like maybe we
1: could be find some common ground with our <laughs> yeah i think i think, <laughs> I think some, someone someone told biden to be tough i, yeah, I think that's it it's like
0: i keep thinking of like this is a, to play out in the poll about an, an approval rating or something of like go yeah. go be strong and it's like eh, go see if there's anything any common interests we have that we can actually build upon that's yeah. a a tangent so Follow this thread though, Douglas. This is where I want your take, and then I'll I'll navigate back to China. What are profitable g- growth companies with more than a billion users? Like can we just brainstorm, brainstorm some off the top of our head? I mean what else fits th- that category? Facebook. Facebook, Meta. right? Meta. Yeah. And that's really got Facebook with has over a billion users. Instagram with has over a billion users,
1: WhatsApp with has over a billion that's, users. That's still so that's the same company. Pretty intriguing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't know from a user perspective and how you define it. I'm not sure where Amazon sits currently or where um, Apple sits currently. Like, I, I don't know where where they kind of sit and how you and again how you define users. I think is also probably interesting there. But regardless, there's like a handful.
0: I think I think Amazon and Apple would both be on my list. I think Microsoft is probably there in terms of users yeah, and then obviously right. Google's there. And then there's some non-American names. Like there's some other Chinese names where I think you have like that critical mass. Yep. Yep. But I I got stuck in this like just brainstorming exercise of like feeling like even though I'm not typically a growth investor, if I can find any platform with more than a billion users that's been historically profitable over the last decade which all those companies we just named have been that's trading in in that range like less than 10 times cash flow i think that's almost a slam dunk purchase for me but maybe i'm being well, too you, simple
1: you ha- you have to at least take into account the the risk that's involved that is the I'm going to call it political risk, but political risk actually from two different sides because there's inside China political risk, right? Which is what is China going to allow Alibaba to do or shut it down from doing? Then there's the, the broad geopolitical political risk, which is, will you be able, will you be allowed to own Alibaba in two years? All right? So both of those risks are are real. It's a little bit, and this is, there's weird, like, Discounting mechanisms you'd have to throw on this, meaning like the the risk that you assign to it, how much of a premium, or do you do you need, um, but or discount do you need? But the my take is kind of almost like you'd look at if you're investing from like a venture capital perspective, and it's it's a little bit binary. Where if this thing works, the upside is enormous, but yeah. there's a material chance it doesn't. Um, and, and but Baba. I mean, it it looks so delicious. My whole issue this, like around this week, is because it, like that seventy-five dollar mark. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! But I was I was trying to figure out from like a capital allocation standpoint, like do I want to allocate capital I have towards something else into Baba? Like that was the question that I was, I was facing, and decided not to pull the trigger, um this week, but and we'll see, we'll see if it goes back down to the seventies as you mentioned, it'll be volatile and whatnot. But it's just it looks so good. Like it's, uh, it's so delicious. It's hard.
0: Yeah. So I actually do the same thing. And this is very rare for me. Um, and we're, we're deep inside baseball here, but I sold some other stuff midweek to get into Baba the seventies. And then I was working on reallocating more on Thursday when the stock went up 37% in the day. And then I think it went up 10% on a Friday. So now it's not at the point where I have to, uh, shift money around to get into it. But in the seventies, I was actively trying to build my position, uh, because I just yeah. felt too good That's to be wild. true. Now where I'm going with this, Hey, billion plus users, profitable growth at, uh, reasonable or at what I'd call great price to f- cash flows is it made me look at meta again, a little bit Diggles I don't like that company. I think they caused genocide in Myanmar and a thousand other things. But gosh, in their, when they're like less than $180 a share, it starts to be one of these few companies that I think exist in the world where you have this massive growth potential, you have a massive user base, you have moats, you have all these things that get pretty intriguing from simply from a dollars and cents perspective. The other stuff. It's different.
1: Yeah, agreed. As we talked about, there are some deals that exist right now, generally. I think that's, that's an interesting approach to take on it. When I did my most recent hunting analysis, as I refer to it, was looking to see what's out there. There are nine companies that I'm currently watching. Baba is, is one of them. Um, but it, we're, at a, we're at a point in time where emotion has taken over from fundamentals to a certain extent in the category, in the opposite way, in the growth category where it is, it's yeah. taken over previously. And so there are some companies that are either reaching deal status or are currently potentially there, at least worth uh, the research into it. Um, Another one that before there was a jump this week, right? In the market generally, but like, I've been looking at Twilio a lot recently again, too, because that company is like, it's a um, look, thinking about platform plays, which Meta is a platform play in its own right. Bob is a platform play in its own right. Twilio is like the communication potential communications platform. Uh, of the future too and I think which is kind of fascinating but yeah being a research advice not investment advice by any means but that's because that's where I am too is in the research phase Um, but I do think that some of these organizations are they're looking in a in a tasty way uh, that I I greatly appreciate the billion user thing is that number fairly random for you just because it's big
0: it is fairly random it's just a massive I mean call it one seventh of the global population that's That seems like pricing power to me, um. And I I misspoke. I think on our last episode when I was breaking down some Baba stats stats, but we were at like, they were at one point three billion, and they added like fifty million new users in the last quarter. That's like one sixth or in in that range of the U.S. population. They added that many new users in one quarter. quarter. The numbers are just massive. So yeah, yeah massive. a billion's random, but I see those and I go, Oh my goodness. Think about the potential there. Yeah.
1: The other before we get off the the billion person train, I didn't realize how big Byte Dance, which is uh, TikToks TikTok company, not massive. publicly traded, right? Yeah. I didn't realize how big they were. And the other I was reading something about them. The other thing about them is they have they have several different properties. So kind of like Meta, you know, has its different um mm-hmm its companies. Um, And the way that they organize their company is they do it such that there's a like analytics and growth are shared services across their organization. And so they'll basically take the learning they have from like TikTok and what people are learning there and they, they send it to like their other companies so they can operate them. So TikTok is the biggest, but their other units are also quite large and growing. Um, But that, that company is massive. And, well, and TikTok, it, this is, I bet why you brought
0: it up, just reached a billion users, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's like a whole thing. And the people that seem to know what they're talking about regarding their analytics and machine learning that drives TikTok are really, really impressed with it. It's a whole different type of social graph in terms of how they distribute stuff to their users so that's really cool so yeah there's a lot here and i hope it all came together the last point i want to hammer home relating to china is the wall street journal did an awesome article breaking down what happened last week in that article they show the 10 biggest chinese tech firms and their returns over the last basically 12 months they went from over three trillion dollars in market cap to about 1.2 during that time. I mean, it's just been hit. This go coincides with a lot of people calling China uninvestable, which do you remember, that was basically my take 12 months ago. And now look at me, I- I've turned into uh, an advocate on the other side. This lastly ties to what Howard Marks said in an interview with William Green on William's new podcast uh, this week. They st- They talked specifically about China and he basically said, he loves hearing people say it's uninvestable because that means there's massive deals to be had. And that, again, just to put a bow on it is how I felt with Alibaba in the seventies. Like there was all these other dynamics other than the fundamentals of the business driving the reason it was at that price. The business is by no chance worth that price. In my opinion, it's all the political uncertainty and everything that's not
1: the business that the reason they gather. Exactly. And um, I still do. I, I like Munger's simple take on even the geopolitical risk where he's saying the two countries would be stupid to not make this work, period. And probably if you go, he didn't say this, but if you go within China to my other political risk, the internal risk, China would probably be irresponsible, I'll call it, to not make Baba work. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's clearly the logical take. And you talk about the growth targets within China, too. They're only five and a half percent of GDP. But it's really tough to achieve growth targets like that if you completely shut the U.S. out. We're going to shut down your biggest companies
1: and shut down the largest economy in the world. Sorry. Sorry. You shut. Yeah. So we don't want any of you to be successful and we don't want to work with the largest economy and we want to grow by five and a half percent. It would be kind of tough. All right, can I reach into the fishbowl to, to go and highlight a uh, something we talked about know, six, nine months ago, I can't remember when this was. El Salvador, our friends down in El Salvador. So last year, Bukele, their superstar, like, I don't know, red carpet style president, right? He's all, all flashing and glamor, loves the spotlight. He made Bitcoin an official currency of their country so it was all the rage and he said the name of the episode was bukele versus the volcano um because he said they would get all their energy to mine bitcoin from the volcanoes you know and so how's that going is the question here's what i learned from reading some things this week not great not great is the answer like amc not great or no amc's doing really well (laughs) amc's doing great (laughs) not great as in so if you look at adoption, the, uh, the excitement around it and him getting the glitz and glamour seemed like it worked. So from what I saw around 4 million people created crypto wallets, there are about 4 million people in the country. So do I, do I think there's probably some fuzzy, <laughs> fuzzy math and statistics there? Probably. But apparently it seemed like everyone like got into it. They said, we're in, yeah. we're sold 96% was the number that I saw of, of unused wallets. And so basically what I, what I was reading was that there were, there were companies, small businesses, et cetera, that like set everything up and said like, we're gonna do this. We're gonna take it, we're ready. People, I guess said, we're into it. But then it was just too hard. Um, so the, the complaints I saw were available. Bitcoin ATMs were too far. Like the mm-hmm. supply, the ability to get them wasn't high enough. Um, the government set up like tech support which now I don't know how the, <laughs> the El Salvadorian government works, but I just picture like the U.S. and the only tech support I know of in the U.S. is from um, uh, healthcare.gov. And that was terrible, <laughs> terrible,
0: right? Yeah, government <laughs> and tech support is
1: a complete oxymoron and it doesn't really, yeah. I've never seen it work well. <laughs> but so unsurprisingly, like people, when they'd hit tech issues, like couldn't get help from the government to like help them to to figure this stuff out and then lastly and this was the obvious one from the get-go is the price is so volatile people don't know where they're actually going to get or what the, the money's going to be yep. worth and so it's it's like in a pretty bad place i mean el salvador was not in a good place which is where a lot of this like kind of desperation move came from um as we highlighted in that last episode around 20 years ago they adopted the u.s dollar as an official currency because their own currency wasn't mm-hmm. doing so hot and there's so many remittances from other other countries coming in, that it would make sense that something that was lower cost, right, like a Bitcoin and easily transferable would work. But if that's not working, like, that's not a that's not good for the El Salvadoran economy. So yeah, what
0: I haven't seen is that
1: uh, remittances data,
0: because there are ways with Bitcoin and the lightning network to do it in real time effectively. But I think there's other digital currencies that do that just much better there's other other digital currencies that that's in their entire use case is transferring money for remittance for remittances so did you see any stats on that and if that's moving to a more digital
1: no i didn't i didn't see remittances specifically i wouldn't be surprised if that in particular like uh wasn't still something but that that isn't the inner workings of the economy Yeah, regardless. Right. And so, like, that's not particularly helpful. I'm on Bitcoin overall, like what this is making me think about even more is again, and I'm not the crypto Bitcoin, either advocate nor expert. But it seems like it's becoming more and more of a joke over the last 12 months. Um, Maybe joke is too aggressive. But it's kind of like, it's more that the arguments for are being more and more disproved, or at least the evidence toward it is not like, for example, it being like the gold the hedge against inflation mm-hmm. inflation goes up bitcoin gets cut in half right it's like things like yeah. that just seem like they're happening like you've got superstar president that says this is our we're going to harness the power of the volcanoes and take bitcoin to the future right like falls apart it's just not it's not holding up to any of the arguments that folks are which isn't crypto right this is, this doesn't mean crypto and the blockchain overall but i'm saying bitcoin specifically does not seem like it is holding up to any of the arguments for why people want it to be successful. I mean, I'd say that's
0: probably too strong, too. It's fascinating to watch. I guess my take is simply that uh, this doesn't happen linearly. You know, there's lots of volatility and ups and downs. And we might be in the trough of despair. If you talk about the change management cycle or so, you know, like, I think it's clearly shown in the last five years, that it's here and it's here for the foreseeable future and i think that's a massive win for the crypto community i think the rest of it becoming more mainstream and something that people use on a daily basis will continue to take many many years i don't know if that's decades or what but i think just the fact that it's around and it's still around and it's in the popular nomenclature is a big win for the crypto
1: community so for crypto yes maybe but even to your point you you sounded like the dow thirty six thousand or whatever guys there a second ago even if it takes decades so like in 80 years if someone has like buys a stick of chewing gum for a bitcoin you're gonna be like see see look at that i told you it's here it's here to stay
0: no listen in a decade when i can take my Sheeb. To AMC and buy some raw gold and silver from their mining facilities, <laughs> I'm going to be super excited about it.
1: Can I can I get a large popcorn, some M Ms, and a little just a sprinkle sprinkle a little gold on it?
0: <laughs> I'll I take a, soda, a soda, soda with silver flakes on top. Yeah, exactly. Is that good? I
1: don't know. Gold Schlager. Maybe they got gold Schlager. Oh, I I've
0: missed your uh, crypto. Hey, we need to talk a little more crypto. Hey, but whatever you do, don't talk about Kathy Wood this episode. Let's take one off, all right? Just for your psyche, you're triggered over there. All right, I got in my fishbowl. I got a quiz for you. Tell me, just shout out some cities. Where are the top five places that college graduates want to relocate to, Douglas? Uh, New York, L.A., Denver, Miami uh so, and so, Boise. great guesses miami and boise are not on the list but this is kind of the same usual cast of characters here's the top five in order seattle number one uh new york number two los angeles number three denver number four and boston number five but what i find interesting is like chicago used to always be on that list i mean chicago's number six it's still holding strong and then some of the buzz around like Dallas and Austin, Austin is number ten, and Dallas is number fourteen. um Atlanta, Georgia' is number fifteen, according to this axios poll. this is the next hot city, right? but in a way, these cities are already hot and have been hot for a while. yeah, it sounds like where where are the jobs,
1: right? How much uh correlation is happening there, right? which is the, maybe, maybe I shouldn't say surprising part, but I where the narrative would lead one to go is to say that jobs now are everywhere. We've moved to remote work or at least hybrid work. And so therefore choosing based on the economics and how far your paycheck would go and standard of living, well, I mean, um, like lifestyle, not standard of living, but like lifestyle is what would be optimized for. And so I would think those cities would change. Like that's the narrative. Yeah, doesn't seem like that's burning up. It hasn't. Um, so they broke this
0: down by gender, which is kind of interesting and also political party. Now I hate, uh, hate's too strong. I dislike that as a society, we've turned in everything into like, well, what do Democrats think? And what do Republicans think? But this is pretty interesting. If you took a guess at the number one democratic destination versus the number one Republican destination what would you guess be
1: of those top five or just in general uh, general I would say Republican Dallas uh, Democrat Seattle
0: so Seattle got number one for independence um, swing state okay. coming for Washington okay. Okay. Uh, New York got number one for Democrats And Austin got number one for Republicans. The top Republican hotspots are Nashville, Tampa, and Las Vegas. And the top Democratic hotspots are like New York, Boston,
1: L.A. Speaking of Vegas, I saw a person wearing a shirt that said, my rights don't end where your feelings begin. Yes, I've seen that one. Yeah. And my only thought was like, but can your feelings not end where my feelings begin? (laughs) Tiggles, don't do it. Where I thought this was going is,
0: I saw someone wearing a shirt and vest, and I was like, "Why would you ever do that?" <laughs> anyway,
1: yeah, what's next in your fishbowl? All right, so something we've been talking about for a while. This isn't even really fishbowl, but just like let's just say that it happened. Finally, after all the hoop hoot nanny and hoopla, the Federal Reserve of the United States of America has raised interest rates by 0.25%. It Golf has happened. Over here.
0: Yes. It has happened.
1: We no longer have 0% interest rates. We now have basically 0% interest rates. And the amount of conversation that has gone into this like tiniest of raises, when you have Russia's like raises interest rate and now Russia's an extreme by like 20%. Turkey is like, we got to get to 25%, all this stuff. Yeah. And we are up in arms, like in this country, around a 0.25% interest rate raise. Regardless, it has happened. We are there. Apparently, we're going to do it six more times this year because the Fed is yelling on the in the treasury is saying like, this is not going to be a good year for inflation. Like buckle up because it's going to be treacherous. Powell, who a year ago was using fancy words like transitory to talk about inflation, is now saying we need to fight this thing i done told you we got to fight it and so we'll see what happens with the other six uh meetings they have this year but it's raised yeah remember when pal spent a
0: quality six months saying transitory and saying like uh, these other big words to try and confuse people because he wouldn't come out and just you commonly i mean i i'm so totally in favor of that raise it four to six more times this would be a a really healthy thing for the economy my hey my high yield savings jumped all the way to 0.35 doodles i was jumping for joy over here yeah it's good i got 0.5 now what yes we're gonna have to swap some notes which uh provider is that with capital One. Oh, i have problems with <laughs> capital one never mind it's not gonna work Fair for not. me yeah uh i'm excited about it let's keep it let's keep raising it. I, I think it'd be really beneficial if we have some ammunition available for the next crisis that shows up. And with uh, the Ukraine conflict, I think turbulent times continue.
1: It's also raising rates gets us to a point where like, the market can be the market. I don't even mean the stock market. I mean, like just the economic market can start to be the market again. Because when you're at zero, it's kind of a weird, you're in a weird spot where tina tina everywhere like mm-hmm. occurs um bonds can't really serve their broader purpose because like the by broader purpose i mean like the 60 40 portfolio type broader purpose because yeah. they've got nowhere to go like it you're just in a like a really weird place and no weapons per you're saying like you don't you don't have more tools in the arsenal and so i'm glad we're getting to some kind of normalcy hopefully over the next year or two yeah
0: completely agree all right last thing on my list that. I just want to get your take on is home prices outpacing the average American's wage. So the value of a typical U.S. home rose almost 20 percent in 2021 to 321,000 dollars, an increase of 52,000 dollars from 2020. That figure is slightly higher than the median U.S. Uh, full-time worker, which is about 50k. What does this mean? Has this ever happened? And isn't this just a bizarre? Is this just a bizarre fact or is there so much more to it that people who own a home made more money last year
1: from home ownership than they did at their job? I don't think it's ever happened before, at least from what I saw. I don't think it has could be wrong there. It's a from a day to day like cash perspective. It's a meaningless thing, but from a wealth creation perspective mm-hmm. it's it's meaningful r is greater than g if we recall that's the thomas pilketty in capital in the 21st century statement that the rate of growth on assets will perpetually be greater than the rate of growth on your income and therefore people that own assets will outpace from a wealth generation standpoint um income purely like income wage folks which uh, perpetuates inequality according to pilketty um yeah. it's a, uh, it's it's academically interesting i think i would say more than anything else um i don't know if it's more of a statement on the fact that income should be rising to keep pace with inflation a little bit more um or if it's a statement that there is more like asset ownership that has um that has, like assisted or helped right people that that own those homes. I, I don't really know which which way to take it. But I kind of I lean toward the the income actually isn't keeping pace in the way that it should. A uh, side of the equation that that's kind of where I go. Because I doubt that even what you stated, which is huge, like a few episodes ago around how companies are setting aside three point something percent for, yeah, for wages. That's not 7.9%. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's not
0: 20%. That- and it's not 20%. Yeah. Oh. So, There's so many layers to this, right? One is home prices can only increase that much when rates are really, really low. If mortgage rates are rising, if your typical 30 year mortgage was 7% or 10%, um, because the large majority of people finance homes, this gets corrected. So I think this shows imbalance on that side of the market that has all the ramifications you discussed about then people's income isn't keeping up. Um, Howard Marks again in his podcast went through metropolitan area by metropolitan area and said, you know, like in Seattle, it used to cost you 3.5 times your salary to buy a middle-class home. And now it costs you 15 times. That's not the right statistics, but like these numbers of income to median purchase price are completely out of whack. And there's a thousand factors to that, but I guess, since we just talked about interest rates, this is another benefit of raising interest rates, because this is not how it's supposed to work. And it can't, it can't continue this way forever because eventually people can't buy the homes at the new prices. So I
1: expect this to correct at some point. I just don't know when that's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, it it is frightening to me, right? We've thrown around the term bullishly pessimistic before. Because right now, still bullish on where the, the market is for the time being. But this is scary. Um, the, the cycle this creates is scary. Going back to Vegas, it's almost, they're different. But I'll kind of throw out the same thing, the same like general topics. You have income and where your income is, where your cash flow is. right? You, that's, as you always mm-hmm. talk about with companies, like where is your cash flow? Right? You have people's cash flow, which is not increasing at the same rate as their assets if they own them and yeah. not increasing uh, at the same rate as their, well, I'll say that the debt they're taking out, at least what I saw in Vegas, if I'm, yeah. if I'm right there, right? And so you have, you've got this system that's being set up where people are, they're either spending or overvaluing the things that they own, which makes them do potentially stupid stuff with regards to their income. And when, the, when it comes to roost, roast roust i don't know what the word is probably not the latter probably not the latter but when it whenever that you know when when the tide goes out how about that when the tide goes out like it's really scary um it's going to be a time where debt servicing is going to be more expensive people are taking on more debt because it looks like i can i can take out more debt according to what my assets are whether that's margin debt if you're trying to buy more stock with debt or if it's um taking out a, like a second mortgage or whatever in your home, like because that's valued more, it's, it's really, like, I just think it's really scary. The foundations that people are setting up for folks and Vegas, man, Vegas, you just, wa- just watch the UNC game. You don't need to bet on it. Cause I, I, you know, I see the hole in your jeans, you know what I mean? So it's just like, just calm down. Anyway, that's my, that's my soap. <laughs> you art. just said, I see the hole in your jeans. Uh- <laughs> and you know what the thing is, those holes were intentional. And those, those are designer jeans.
0: Yeah, but I know. But they couldn't
1: afford. <laughs> anyway. I want to
0: put a bow on one, one thing you're saying, and it relates to asset values increasing. But let's just talk about homes, and let's talk about personal cash flows. So if I make 100 bucks a month, and my mortgage is 10 bucks a month, here it was in 2020, all of a sudden, the next mortgage is going to increase by 20%. So the next mortgage is going to be 12 bucks a month. That's eating into the cash flows of the people that aren't currently a homeowner in a way that it's not for current homeowners. And my ratios are off there, but like, that's where I get concerned is the price of living is effectively rising 20%, 50%, whatever, and wages are not, they can't keep up. And so that gives this massive advantage to people that already own uh, assets that are appreciated in value and
1: it's got to correct at some point. Yeah. It just can't go on forever. Wildly. Yeah. 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 Um, I do have one, one last like little quick hit on, uh, tying onto the, the inequality piece we've talked about universal basic income a little bit and just like different experiments and things like that. that are coming out. I read something recently around it's not universal basic income, but it's baby bonds. There's someone, a professor at uh, at new school in New York um, named Derek Hamilton. He um he is like pushing for so inequality is like what he studies in economics. It's this it's whole thing. And how do you uh, how do you look at um, income stratification and racial inequities? And, you know, and he's historically uh, talked a lot about like used, I'll say, strong language as society would view it, things like reparations. Right. Is like mm-hmm. what he's been after and according to him people have, when he brings that up people have been like calm down with the reparations like come up with something that you think will like will be people will react well to so he's been pushing baby bonds which are not bonds but are for babies it's more of like a baby trust fund kind of like a universal trust fund and it seems like there are some states that are trying it out so connecticut is one that i read about that is trying for every baby that is born after some certain date i can't remember what i think i think it might even be in the past i think they're they're in a the process now you get a certain amount of money and then when you turn 18 or 21 something along those lines then that that money has now grown and it's something like you get it right it's now yours and uh the the setup there was that the amount that you get isn't it's not um everyone doesn't get the same amount like it's not equally distributed it's based on your income uh, sure. but It's going to be interesting to see where this ends up going to just another example of something I read, according to like that inequality piece that I talked about before. Is it inversely correlated to your income?
0: Or okay, yeah, cool. It's I mean, gosh, will we still have the show in 21 years when we can break down the data (laughs) Doodles?
1: We we shall see. We shall see. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. So one of the things that I Um, That I was reading, and we've touched on some of this too, that I was reading that Derek Hamilton was saying was he said, when people are, they argue against the idea of being unequally distributing money based on like race or class or whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. He said, but you looked at you look at where how people got to where they are today. It's because that exact same thing happened. Right? Yeah. It's because the GI Bill was unfairly, like proportionally distributed for white male Americans, right, in the country and being able to buy homes with it, being able to get educated, right, using the GI Bill, like, so, if you built up this whole foundation off of that, and now you say, but we can't do it in the other direction, like, it's really hard to, uh, to catch up, you know, Um, so it's interesting, I like that people are trying, I don't know what the answer is, there probably is no silver bullet, but it's good to see different experiments being run.
0: Completely agree. And I like the the awareness of the marketing piece of this in terms of how it's branded is really important. Um, I I think the large majority of people. Think that part of the American dream is equal opportunity, right? And we've done a poor job of probably allowing that to have well. Hu- historically, that hasn't been true. It hasn't been an equal opportunity, right? And I'm not convinced that it is today. I hope it's the best it ever has been. I hope it continues to improve. But I don't even know about that. I think people are generally supportive of that that idea. It's important to find branding that matches the goodwill of your average American. So you can try some of these things out and fix some of the inequities of the past. Two last things on my end. First, shout out to our content producer who beat the New York Times to the uh, columbia university breakdown teardown piece by by four days Dougles. the skippy and doogles show is just where it's at <laughs> for all your new york city based uh university news there we go also uh shout out to john he hit us up with more um info on africa china geopolitical risk and stuff our listeners are truly awesome we've asked for stock picks from Paris, we've asked for geopolitical news from Africa and everything in between and uh, you guys always help us out. So really appreciate that. If you uh want to become a premium subscriber, hit skippydougals.supercast.com, help support the show that way. Everything else is com. And uh Douglas, I'm just so happy you survived the Vegas trip. And uh I you know, it. I was worried for you. You made it. I I made it. We're here. All right. Thank you everybody. Peace.